driving through, rolling through. Charity auction you're on your way to? Yeah, got a benefit auction over in Western Montana. Still do a few of those. Still got a few, and tonight's one of my... I didn't schedule very many this year because of all the busyness, but tonight's one of the ones that fit the schedule, so... Is there a difference between a charity auction and a benefit auction? Interchangeable? No, they're the same. Charity just sounds... I don't know. Government handouty. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds a little different, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm you a never, charity. You never hear charity work as benefit work, but I guess benefit and charity auctions are interchangeable. Yeah, that's a good question, I guess. I should maybe dig into that a little more with some of the more professional benefit auctions. When I was in dental school, I had a classmate <clears throat> whose wife was going to a massage therapy school. And I said, and I, I think I said, horse, you can work as a masseuse at. And that was extremely inappropriate to call her a masseuse. Huh. I, I guess apparently <laughs> masseuse has more adult entertainment That's, implications. Really? A See, masseuse, I never would have known that. That's what it's come to. So it's massage therapist. So he let me know that. A so, masseuse? I always thought a masseuse was just, that's their thing. Like I'm a trucker, a masseuse. Yeah, not anymore, apparently. Hmm. I so, wish we could go back to when that was the biggest identity, the, the misidentification problems yeah. we had. So, so my point is, am I going to offend someone by calling it a charity auction when it's actually a benefit auction? I don't think so, but... If you're doing these auctions, you better find out so you don't accidentally lose some work over it. I, I think I want to say that... I'm going to say that in, in our circles, the more rural, quiet circles, it's benefit auction. I think I hear the term charity auction more when... It's in the big cities. Oh, it has something to do with that. Those people seem to term it more as a charity auction. Like I do these charity auctions in the city. Where's so the elitists are so. providing charity, charity for people. Whereas for the, peasants. the peasants are helping benefit other people. Yeah. Interesting. And that's what these are. Because there's no elitists in Montana. I mean, there's a few, I guess. But nobody that comes out to a, an auction to benefit, you know, whatever. There's not many elitists. So we're just kind of... Someone that's fairly well off, you know, helping out somebody, some organization that <laughs> that could benefit from their charity. <laughs> okay. Well, so anyway, that's, you're on your way over to Missoula right now. Stop yeah. by to yeah. get in. Um, hey, I want to get into this right off the bat. Okay. A couple episodes ago, you talked about the lack of sleep you get in team driving. Oh, just yeah. getting hammered in these Terrible. cabs. Had a couple people that have, well, one was a husband, wife who were team drivers who had a little bit of advice. Okay. And the second was a wheeler from Australia who says the roads over there oh. are super potholy. So he had a couple. <laughs> I bet. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read through real quick what, what this Eric Simon, he wrote in on Instagram. Okay. And he said that his wife and him team drove for three years and sleeping on the road is an adjustment. He admits that they were all over the country. Let's see. A few tricks to try. He says a thick, dense mattress pad. And good new sleeper shock absorbers. So shocks all the way around. So I think next time you're talking to Dale Jr., you might ask if he'll pull them aside. Put some shocks in on hey, Dale. all around the sleeping. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm sure he's going to be uh, enthused to do that when he was on his podcast talking about how easy you guys have <laughs> it as it is. <laughs> you know, there, on, on his podcast, there is a section where it's like, ask Dale. I wonder if I could somehow submit, like somehow get through the filters. And they'd be like, hey, here's a question from, and they just kind of read it and say it. And it's too late. Like they can't go back. And, and maybe I could get it on air on his podcast being like, hey, it's one of your truckers. Wondering when you're, 
gonna <laughs> upgrade the sleeper shocks on these old rigs. <laughs> so thick mattress pads, sleeper shocks, and then he he also Eric also says using a sleep mask. Mm. He says even if you can block out the sleeper. Oh, something about that sleep mask to help him make this mental transition from drive to sleep mode. Mm-hmm. So with that, uh, I know if you go in like Bed Bath and Beyond, probably you can get Trucker Chris. Yeah, a couple of cute <laughs> little sleep masks you guys can wear in there. Okay, I'm going to do that because I I can tell you that right now, of of all those things that were just suggested, we are doing zero of them. We don't have new. We have all OEM factory shocks on the truck and the sleeper, which I had mentioned. To the guys, I put some aftermarket Fox shocks on my truck, just on the steer axle, and they made a huge difference. So I was telling these guys about it, and they're all like, NASCAR, sponsor, sponsor. I'm like, you need to make this happen and get Fox shocks and put their sticker on your car or whatever and get some shocks from these guys because they make them for everything. I just can't afford them. You could get them all the way around your whole truck. Mm. I said that like three months ago, and they're like, that sounds great. And I asked Chris the other day and he's like, ah, they're still working on it. <laughs> so, so until they get it, get it pushed through. If they're doing it, might as well put them on the sleeper cab. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do them all. So uh, let's see. And then Shane Fuller from Australia. Okay. What you gonna, got, Shane? I was going to try and do this in a, in an Australian accent, but I, you know, I, I don't I did think one, it would work. I did one on my YouTube episode a while ago on a NASCAR one and everyone was like, please. And I'm like, guys, it's for fun. It's to be funny. And I got a lot of, they didn't care for and it. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, dingo babies. Let's go out in the outback and hunt us some dingoes. The only Australian accent that I even <laughs> attempt and it's not even right is, did you ever watch Crocodile Dundee? Yeah. He's like, that's not a knife. <laughs> that's a knife. That's pretty good. See, my untrained Australian ear says that's pretty good. Oh. We'll see what this guy thinks. So this guy, he, he says in Australia, crappy two lanes with potholes so deep you have to go back a gear to get out of the hole. <laughs> so he said a couple of hacks to help him sleep on bumpy roads. Put a thin foam mattress under the Peterbilt in-spring mattress. So whatever, oh, I guess. under it. So whatever. So the other guy said, put a thick mattress in. This guy Over said, it. put a thin foam mattress under the spring mattress that you already have in the Peterbilt. So I think first guy is saying thick foam over. I think he said, take that mattress out and get a real thick one. Oh, just a thick foam. Uh, Not even a foam, just a whole new thick mattress. Okay. Well, you know what? All I have to do is hit a couple buttons and I can go right back to it. Oh, a thick, dense mattress pad. So a big, thick mattress pad to go over is what he said. And Australia says, put a thin foam under the existing one. So if you put a thin under it, do the mattress and a thick mattress pad on top. Okay. You might be in a cloud, sleeping in a cloud. (laughs) Hey, this, this is how we won World War II, man. Australia, you know, USA, everybody getting together. And, and then this is a thing. Here's, so you're going to need to get the sleep mask. And then he said, and the best thing ever is just a cheap Velcro back support brace. He said, stopping your belly and kidneys jiggling around helps a Dude, bunch. Okay. So he knows that is my problem. I see Chris can, Chris can sleep on his side, on his back, on his belly. I'm back there just like a little rag doll getting tossed. And to the point to where I woke up once from a little nap and was like, like my insides hurt. I didn't feel nauseous. I just <laughs> felt like, ah, I'm just like hurting. So I curled into the fetal position and just held my belly, like caressed it. Uh, yeah, he said just a cheap, so a sleep mask and a cheap Velcro okay. back brace. You know, it's probably why I started having kidney stones. You know, I had, I had those removed. But they hadn't shown any signs or anything until I started doing NASCAR. And it's probably because I was in the back of that sleeper bouncing around. 
Yeah. So, all, all right. So a, a couple little, a couple of things to maybe try there. Okay. I like it. Thanks guys. So I just got off the tractor and came in. I've been out cutting hay. Mm-hmm. You're about to embark in hay. So let's, I want to do some hay quizzes for you. <laughs> okay. We do a little bit different paying. You guys, you guys do some big acreage and I do just a few acres. So our, our equipment, everything's different. So I want to go over some terms and see if you know what I'm talking about. I guess that's what I should say. But um, before we do that, I have, well, we have had a few people send in the same picture of a round bale down in Florida (laughs) with a giant python bailed into the bale. Like you're talking like a 20 foot. I mean, I don't know how long it is, but it looks just. Like you could wrap it around the entire round bale. And and you can see the, you know, the strings going over the body. So it was, it wasn't someone just threw this python up on the bale and took a picture. It's in the bale. What is the weirdest thing you've ever bailed animal wise? Because I had something, I, I bought hay from someone this year and I, I opened a bale up and had something unexpected in the bale. Okay. <laughs> now I have over the course of my life, I've found mostly snakes little snakes that's yeah. that's fairly common right and that's me too i've had never a rattlesnake but bull snakes which i feel bad about because they're good snakes over there i've bailed up bull snakes have also bailed skunks and a porcupine once oh that one's not good you don't want that in a bail <laughs> did you know it when you did it or was it when you opened it up later i uh, I, I think it was when we opened it up because it was all, it was just kind of hide and quills. By then, you know, the danger's passed. But so you, you bailed skunks. Now, when you guys feed, feed your hay over there at the ranch, you process the bales instead of just unrolling the bales and the, the cows eat it. Right. Now, we're talking about round bales. Mm-hmm. So big round bales that are weighing what, 12 to 1800 pounds, yep. depending on how big you're doing them. Yep. And so when you feed these, there's a, a couple different ways that you can feed them. One is you take, these bales either are put together with uh, multiple strings wrapped around it, or they have a, a net wrap that wraps around them that holds yeah, the whole bale together. Yeah. So you cut the strings or the wrap off, and then you can, you can take that bale with, with your handling equipment and set it on the ground and just start unrolling it like you're unrolling a, a sleeping bag almost. Because that's, that's how a round bale is made. For those of you that don't know, when you see those round bales, everyone thinks they look like frosted mini wheats, especially in the wintertime when they have snow on top of them to the to the general public but the the hay goes inside of your machine and it spins it in a circle just rolls it up until it's full size then it stops wraps it kick it out so when you are feeding it yes it's just the opposite you just can just unroll it just like you rolled up a sleeping bag just yeah, unroll exactly. that's one way to feed it and so if you do that you can unroll it over a you know, I don't know, depending on how well it's unrolling, you know, it's 20 to 20, 50 yards, yeah, something yeah. like that. And so you can have cattle, sheep, whatever your livestock is, have it unrolled on the ground and can eat it. Another way you feed them is you have just a round bale feeder, just basically a, a metal circle where the cows can stick their heads in. And you just cut the strings or wrap off and set the bale in there and they just eat it. I'm sure we can have all kinds of other requests of how you can feed round bales. <laughs> how do you feed a round bale? Or another way, what you guys do is you process it. You put the whole bale in something that just chops it up. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, it, it essentially unrolls the bale inside of the machine and then, yeah, chops it and, and makes kick, a nice line. Uh, so if you are, if you have bailed a skunk, do you have an explosion of smell when you are processing it? If you, have you experienced that? I didn't. I didn't. The skunk was not experienced. In fact, I will, I will lead that both the porcupine and the skunk were discovered in the pre 
processor days because we used to unroll all our hay. Oh, gotcha. And that was when I found them. With the processor, it's like, well, there's maybe something there. <laughs> you can't tell because it pulverizes everything. Uh, I found a skunk in a bale this this winter <laughs> that I did. <laughs> like a full skunk. So I had, I had, I had, so I had fed mostly round bales this winter and then I, I had had to get some more hay and I, and I didn't have round bales, round bales available. So it was big squares, which are you know, like 1200 pounds too. The big squares, you can't unroll them. Mm-hmm. So my handling equipment on my tractor unroll them. I have to load them on a trailer, cut the strings, and then I just use a pitchfork and, and flake it out. flake these bales off. And when I was loading bales, loading these bales, I smell this. I smelled that skunk smell, and uh-huh. I thought, man, there's no skunks around right now. I wonder. Been didn't think anything of it, and I got up, and I just kept kind of smelling the skunk, and I, I just thought, why? Where in the world is a skunk around right now? And got up on the trailer, and I was oh, because then because they hibernate, like there are no skunks around. Hunt skunks hibernate through the winter time, so there are no winter time skunks. So if you're smelling a skunk in the I was winter, like, it's just so weird, it's bizarre. So I, I was up on the trailer, cut strings, and I'm flaking it off and I'm I don't really watch the bale that I'm flaking from because I'm watching well partway my my six-year-old kid is driving the truck <laughs> through the field for me so I can be on the back of the trailer and the starts and stops and jerkiness of the trailer I'm more paying attention trying to not fall off <laughs> but I'm you know as I'm watching where other stuff's going on around there and I I wasn't watching and I flaked off flaking off and I got just an, another giant whiff of this skunk and I looked around and in between two flakes there was a perfect skunk that had been smashed in there it was in there but it was flat yeah and it had just blown up its scent smell in in oh. this hay bale oh. and so the hay was all like all brown and black colored oh, around it really and it, it all the smell was so bad once that that flaked off it was like mummified probably in the bale I mean I bet that's oh. <laughs> it like time capsuled it because those square bales instead of instead of wrap wrapping them you know rolling them yeah they, square bale uh, they pack way tighter than the, the round bale so, yeah so you get something in there just packs it Damn. so that that skunk got in there and just it uh, sucked right up in that baler and squished in there and it just blew it up and <laughs> so I just threw it off that trailer and said okay winter will handle it and then this spring man you could sure smell still. it still where that in that area where i where that hay was but i guess it's like frozen and preserved kind of reminds me of like the sci-fi movies where like the ice thaws and it like releases some kind of old <laughs> prehistoric disease oh. yeah that's that skunk spell most everyone's going to recognize that smell on a highway you pass a, a roadkill skunk and you get that whiff in your car right but a direct hit from a skunk. Nobody realizes or this. Right, right close to a very fresh spray, with, you know, within a few feet is a whole different smell than what you smell on the highway. It's a whole different smell. Now, you open the, the Pandora's box of skunkage. So we may as well continue on on this skunk so I have tangent. Been, I was counting and I have been sprayed by a skunk a total of seven times in my life. <laughs> okay. Personally sprayed by skunk okay. seven different times. I've been sprayed one two, three, four, the fourth time being like several sprays. It was like an event of spray. It wasn't like a spray. It was a mini spray. There's a story behind it. I've been sprayed four times. One of them was with you. 
You've been sprayed seven times. Seven times. I bet that there's probably not three people listening that have ever even been sprayed. No, one of the <laughs> one of the sprays was not just oh, it hit my clothes. It was full face. Where <laughs> it hit me in the face. And anyone listening is probably wondering <laughs> what, you what situation so what situation you can find yourself in where you have had your face that close to the back end of a skunk that you can <laughs> you can take a, a shot of skunk spray to the face. Well, and why me and you? I don't think any of our other siblings have been sprayed. It, here you and I sit with multiple multiple sprayings between the two of us. Wow. Well, first off, that smell. Oh that yeah, back smell, to the smell. Yeah. Like right close when it direct hit. It is it's like the essence. It's a different smell. It's it's kind of like like essential oils, right? Like you're like, oh, I like the smell of peppermint, like a like a mint candy or a piece of gum. That's not quite like the peppermint essential. Like you get that in you, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's similar to that in the way, but it's in a horrible way. It's really, it's you don't realize how chemical. Yeah. There's like a really yeah. weird chemical smell to yes. it. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, but it's it's but it doesn't smell like a skunk. It's a different smell. It's like it's just too much. <laughs> So we, we have okay. gone through periods of extreme skunk infestation around our property yeah. growing up. It hasn't been as bad since I've been back here as it was really? sometimes when we were growing up. Uh, they were everywhere growing up. You could just come around the corner at any moment and there's a skunk. <laughs> so why, why would you not want skunks around your property? One, the smell. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take anything for them to let loose and, and just stink the place up. Right. And you know, it gets on, if, if a dog gets it on them, it's oh, yeah. forever to get out of the dog. If it, if it, if it sprays somewhere on the property, it just doesn't, it, it takes a long time to dissipate. Sometimes it'll take a full year on uh, for skunks around here where a skunk is sprayed for it, for it to go away. Uh -huh. So, and then also they, they are, seem to be much more susceptible to rabies. That's, you, oh, that's true. Yep. I, it's illegal to take the, <clears throat> the scent, that smell sack out of a skunk. It's mm -hmm. illegal to do that. My understanding, mm -hmm. because there's some people that theorize that skunks just have rabies. It's just in them. Just part of it. And, and I, I, I'd say this thinking it's probably true because we had caught baby skunks before and mm -hmm. tried to, we couldn't, tried to get the, the glands removed and, None of the vets would do it. They said it's illegal. And that was the reason they told us. So I didn't ever actually go confirm that. But, but you do see, I mean, at the ranch, we've, I've personally shot a, a rabid skunk at the ranch before. Mm -hmm. yeah. I shouldn't say I know it was rabid, but it was acting. Yeah. It had foam in its mouth. And it was, I had one that was it following. It would turn me. around and follow yeah, me. Yeah, oh, yeah, it was the same way. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, it wouldn't go away. It just kept. Didn't confirm um, it, but they seem to just be a little more. It's the same thing with bats. They say you shouldn't mess with bats because it's like dirty, much easier to yeah. for rabies transmission. So, when, and then also if you have chickens, things like that, skunks can be can be a little brutal on on. They'll eat. They'll kill the chickens, won't they? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we, yeah, we lost a rooster, vanished young rooster. I wonder. Well, foxes hammer them. Yeah. Anyway, mm. foxes are our big problem. Oh, I've told you about foxes with Julie at that time. Oh, yeah. Making a dead fox seem like <laughs> it was alive. <laughs> anyway, go back and listen to that. I don't even know what episode. Somewhere back there. So skunks, you, you don't want them around for a number of reasons. If you have a skunk around and you exterminate it with, with a bullet, you shoot it. Mm. I, I have shot a number of skunks and have never not had one release and i've yeah. heard people say well you have to you have to shut the nervous system off so a, a headshot shut the nervous system off and they won't do it 
Okay. Well, the head on a skunk's about. <laughs> well, but if you caught them in a live trap, yeah, and you you can get close enough to have them watch you come closer and inch the you know the barrel of your gun to it, so it is right at their head, uh-huh. which I've done, and been enveloped in a cloud of still got enveloped. <laughs> didn't, shutting the nervous system off didn't help. I've heard heard other people talk about you can. Well, here's the thing. Don't. Doesn't everything, all living things, when they die, they just kind of total relax? Like, like, so, so I would actually contend that now they do the total opposite when they die, no matter what they release. So if there's right now, I'm going to put a warning for anyone right now listening. Is yeah. That this call. may be a, we have had to catch and exterminate a number of skunks. A lot of skunks. And if you don't want to hear stories of stories of extermination of skunks, this will be a time to fast forward or pause or turn off or whatever. Tune in, tune in next week. You know, we're not going to get into graphic details. We're just going to talk about the way it was done. This is what happened. And what's led to being sprayed by skunks. And you might say, well, we deserved it if we're exterminating them. Okay. I'll listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. Correct. Whatever. Sure. I just don't want people to, to get into something they don't want to hear right now. So, you know, all right. So what we found the, kind of the way that we would exterminate skunks was catch them in live traps and then submerge them in water and mm-hmm. they would drown. Mm-hmm. And even with drowning skunks, when the skunk dies underwater, you always see an oily film. An oil slick. An oil slick comes like to the, the surface yes, of the water. comes up and like this chemical, that's when you were saying it was like a chemical smell. It is because it oil slicks just like chemicals on top of water. You can see the rainbow on top of the water. So it's, yeah, that skunk smell is something else. So, <sighs> Anyway, we would we would live trap skunks, and then once you catch them in the live trap, you have to figure out how to get it to your water source, yes, right? Transport it from where it's <laughs> caught and get it to a water source, and that's where six of my seven <laughs> skunk shots came from. In transportation, and it was a variation of experiments of trying to do this, where sometimes you're far away from the skunk with ropes, sometimes you're up close with your face close to it, which can result in a... Your face? How does your face get close, though? It was something with um our hired man, Ross Colsey, was trying something, and he was trying to run a rope from another end, and it ended up that I was very... I know what it was. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember all the details, but okay. it was something where we figured out I could keep the attention of that skunk facing me. So By facing it, literally. Where its face was close to my face. <laughs> I guess the face isn't what sprays. So as long as the face is facing you. So if it's facing you and and it's kind of watching what you're doing, it was working. But my partner of sorts (laughs) helping to move this. Partner of sorts. Had had some kind of a mishap where the cage was jerked roughly through a a misslip or a misstep. I don't even know. And it caused that skunk to flip around to the facing the other direction. But when it turned around whatever it had happened it didn't care for and it happened so fast that i had no friend to, to foe in just an instant it was out the other sprays were unmemorable just Wait, moving these live on, traps oh you kind of skimmed over the experience of getting her rear end full of skunk chemical spray right in your face i mean in your eyes your nose your nostrils <laughs> that's a whole different it's like eating hot peppers like it's one thing to be in your mouth, but like somehow if you get like pepper juice in your eyes or my eyes are starting to water just thinking about this. But the experience of getting 
the skunk juice upon your face and into the orifices of your nose and mouth and ears and eyes. Now, I don't know. <laughs> the, sm- the smell, I don't want to say I got used to the smell, but it wasn't a new smell. It's probably because you lost your sense of smell. It probably well, burned it's a horrible your smell that I've, smell away. I've seen, but I, it w- I do remember burn, the, burning my eyes. And I, I don't know if it was because it got directly in my eyes or if it was so close in the fumes. Yeah, like an onion or something. Going into my eyes, but I, I do remember how intense the, the burn was in my eyes from that. It felt like it was a a solid amount of time before I couldn't smell skunk twenty four <laughs> hours out of the day because it's because it's in there it's on my face. The other five of the seven times, the other five were were nothing memorable other than we were moving and trying to figure out how to move a trap where one had been trapped and and getting sprayed by mm-hmm. it. The other one in the I've got sprayed in the wild, not Ooh. in a trap, um, like out and about. I was going out one, so this is, this is kind of a, a whole event. We had, <laughs> so we had a, some family friends that would, would prank each other periodically, just family, you know, and it, it would get where you, the pranks would involve massive amounts of people. Yeah. It was like a prank war we had going on with some. And it was a multi-year and it, yeah. it was all in good fun, but I was going out and you'll, you'll know, you'll find out shortly where that fits into the story. I had gone out into the garage to, to get something. It was night, dark out, and we had cats. And we always kept cat food right outside in the garage, yeah. right next to the door. And went out there and cats were eating food. And I was just going around there and I went to walk back in. And it's just kind of in your peripheral down there. It's not like... It's just in the peripheral. And this is just kind of down there. They're against the wall. You know, there's food always food. in it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't go feed. There's always feeding. I had a periphery. I didn't know there was a cat eating food there. And did my business in the garage and went to walk back into the house and out of the periphery, I was like, huh. And I, then I looked down and it wasn't the cats eating. It was a skunk sitting there eating. I walked right <laughs> by it. It didn't do anything when I came out. <laughs> but when I went to go back in the house, when it was a skunk, I admit it surprised me. And I, I think I had let out a little bit of an exclamation, maybe a oh. shriek or a, oh. <laughs> and, um, as soon as I made a loud noise, it is unbelievable how fast they turn around and just spray. They don't, it's not a thing where they, there's no negotiating. They don't warn you. They don't stop and go, you know, let's not, like a lot of animals will put their, their ears back or their hackles will raise up or something. The teeth are there. This is skunk is eating (laughs) calmly and pleasantly to flipping around. And first thing they do is spray the area and then they assess what's going on. (laughs) Now, what is it? What's going on? I've sprayed. Now I can look. (laughs) Oh, which is probably a smart way to do it. Really? So, and so that I got sprayed in the garage. And so then I, I was really upset by it, upset, not happy. So I, of course, can't go back in the house. So now I, Go outside. I'm going to take my clothes off, turn the hose on, and start trying to get where I can at least go inside. And so I, it was dark. It was dark out at night. Walked out of the garage, and just started to walk around the corner of the house. And I was completely. Oh, oh no! I know what happened. I come walking out, and I'm mad and upset. And then I see out at the end of our driveway this big burning W. This huge W that's like, like floating in the, yard, in the like, air. It, it looks like it's like five feet off the ground burning. A big what? W on fire. I'm like, what? 
So I just get sprayed by a skunk and now I come out and it's probably like 11, 11.30 And this night. is in our driveway. In like, our driveway, yeah. at the end of our yard, there's this giant burning W. And so I'm like really confused and <laughs> what? So I'm kind of like looking and trying to see what happened, what's going on. And I go from that to being instantly like I jumped underwater, completely soaked with water. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> and so... Someone was on the roof of our house and had a huge barrel of water that they tipped over and dumped on. And what it was, was the, the family Frank people, they came in the middle of the night to have a water fight. The have W an, like was for water the, fight, but it was uh, an assault on the, on the domicile. <laughs> and I just happened to be the only idiot walking out <laughs> right at that minute. I mean, they were trying to draw someone out, I think, with that burning W. like, what's going on? Yeah. People would come out. And so when they came First out. First guy. So the, so, but I will say going from getting sprayed to a probably an hour long intense water fight, I got all that smell off me. It all came right off. It all came off. Now I have an interesting dovetail into that assault on the family because it came on the heels of a, of a big family gathering that we were having. Must've been on, it was probably like a Sunday night or something, but I, we were all up in the kitchen eating prior to the water fight the burning W. Dad asked me to go unplug a fan. There's a fan on down in the den. He goes, hey, go unplug the fan. Sure. Okay. Doing what I'm told. I go down. I reach down and I unplug the fan and somehow got my finger hooked into the prongs of the fan in the socket before I had pulled it out of the wall. Don't ask me how. It must have been hard. I was prying on it or something. And it's kind of behind the TV. We had a big TV and there was a, a power strip behind it. So I'm reached down. This could have been almost as you were walking out into the garage, this could have been happening. I mean, it was all very, so I'm reaching down and immediately I start getting electrocuted, like, like from the socket in the wall, electrocuted, not like a shock from a battery or something full on. And immediately it was enough of a shock that it just clenched my hand shut around the socket. So I'm just sitting there just getting juiced. I'm probably 10 years old. No idea what's going on. First of all, trying to figure out why can't I let go of this? Because electricity doesn't like hurt, you know, it, until later. At first, you're just like, what is this? So I'm stuck and I'm so I start hollering and yelling. And I just remember this. I, I, I was like, help, help. And I remember looking <laughs> up from the den up into the kitchen where all aunts and uncles and family were. And they said, what? There's a bear behind the TV? That's what everybody <laughs> thought I was saying. And I'm like... <laughs> Maybe that's what I said. Who knows while I'm getting juiced. <laughs> you can't get your hands off of this can't, electrical can't outlet. Get off. And so again, I keep screaming until finally Uncle Lynn realizes that something's wrong. So he comes boiling down and sees that I'm getting juiced and he pulls me off. He even gets a big shock pulling me off of it. And so of course now I'm like in shock and I'm all pale and white. Got this huge, I still have this scar, this big scar on my hand from where Whoa. the electricity went in. Never went out, but went into my body. So everybody, of course, now I'm the center of attention. And oh, you know, and we have an aunt that's a nurse and she's making sure I'm okay. And so they take and they put me into our sitting room, kind of on a couch, prop my legs up, you know, get me cool rags, whatever I need. And I'm sitting here. And as I'm laying in that room, the assault begins. All of a sudden, doors of the house are open. People are running through with water guns. There's water spraying everywhere. Burning cross out the window. <laughs> no, burning, burning W. Burning, burning W. Burning, 
burning W in the window. And the whole time I'm just in this, this haze and phase. Rooster goes out probably to observe the burning W as well. And one of the, the family feud, one of the foot soldiers from the feuding family was a young, a young kid. He was probably six or seven. And he got caught up in all the excitement and grabbed a stone from the driveway and threw it. You know, this is like water pipe. He doesn't quite understand. So he throws his rocket rooster, whole rooster, hits him right in the tooth and chips his tooth. Cold with the rock. So you're getting sprayed with a skunk. I got electrocuted and rooster gets whacked in the mouth, busted in the teeth with a rock from some little kid. Oh, man. All in good fun, man. That was quite a night. I don't even remember how it all ended. I just remembered that. <laughs> just the- I, I, remember, I remember that happening to you. Uh-huh. But it's just on the periphery of my memory because I, I guess I wasn't quite there. I was out yeah, in the right. garage in just a death battle with a skunk. The only thing better is if you had realized I'm sprayed, I'm going to go get that skunk and I'm going to start using it as a weapon. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the times that I got sprayed. You know what I think? I think I feel like and I, I can't confirm I was actually doing this, but I feel like having that skunk spray on me allowed me to be like that kamikaze <laughs> kamikaze like I, I was just going and grabbing people and hugging them and rubbing <laughs> myself on them versus trying to knock his head because they're getting they're gonna they're getting get skunk, skunk on juice. them i think i feel like i did that i can't confirm See, maybe that maybe you did use that maybe i advantage. wish that's what i did <laughs> i feel like that's something i would have done <laughs> it's something you definitely would have done oh oh man so my sprayage we'll get back to the hay thing eventually here but my sprayage came one was a brief spray. I didn't get by the skunk, opened the garage door and immediately I was coming in from being out, whatever, in, in high school. Boop! Opened the garage door and immediately there's a skunk that had been closed into the garage and was not happy. So as soon as I opened the door, he comes on his mad, angry charge. First, clears the air. Boop! Then he assesses Hope the, the door is opening. Open. I better spray it and yeah, right. see what's out there. So I got, I got a good whiff of that. The next time that I got sprayed was actually in conjunction with you. And this might've been one of your sprayings as well. We might have a, a co-spray. Yeah, co-spray. Yeah. <laughs> so this was that we had caught a skunk in the live trap. And I think we were trying to come up with a more ethical way to exterminate, you know, cause you feel a little bad doing the underwater submersions and such. And I think we had a family member. I think uncle JT maybe told you that some kind of a, basically a lethal injection that you could give these skunks. And for some reason, and I don't know why, I don't know. You may have just had me. Oh no, I know what it was. You had, we fashioned this, this device, a syringe. I know what you're talking about. You want me to say what it is? Yes. Cause I, when I was saying we tried all the ways of exterminating that I've heard of. Uh-huh. And the reason we ended up going to, to underwater was because when they die and they release that smell, if it's contained to that water, you don't, doesn't really smell and just, just goes down the stream goes away <laughs> they still release it but it doesn't stink a whole area up there was another one we'd heard that that if you get like a broomstick and you get a, a syringe with it and i can't remember the the lethal material that went into it but anyway the point is that you can was told mm-hmm. just like i was told if you shoot it in the head it won't spray <laughs> it's told that if you put that syringe right up against it they'll they'll push into it and they'll actually you don't even work you hold it and that skunk will just push into it and okay and then they get that lethal injection and then they just go to sleep and are done Mm -hmm. so yeah that sounds great let's try it in practice 
it either absolutely doesn't work or it, <laughs> it's I didn't do it at all. Correct. But, but somewhere in that led to me needing to stand on top of the cage. I think it's because we were, I think it was not pushing itself onto the syringe. It was not doing the samurai, the thing. Sepulchre, 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 something like that. It was, okay. It was not doing the sepulchre. It was not. And I think we'd resorted at that point to trying to just go ahead and inject it. And we were pushing the cage that it was in. So you needed something to weight down the cage. And here's your younger brother. Looks like a great object to place upon the cage. So as I stood on the cage with all the assurances in the world, it'll be fine. You began your, your round of injection and it led to a lot of spray. But to my credit, I didn't weaken. I stood up there on top of that cage as it's spraying, just suffocating and, and doing the deal. And I think you got some pretty good spray on that one yourself. I'm pretty sure. Then my my last two that were that were of note was one we had we had found a den of baby skunks nearby, and baby skunks are probably the most adorable, cute little thing. But they're just like this little fluff ball. They haven't developed their scent glands yet. And anyway, I'm sure the, the mother was gone from the extermination round or something, but all these little babies are left. So we're like, you know what? This would be really cool to raise these up and have some pet skunks, kind of like a cat. What if you could have tame skunks? Cool. And dad thought at the time he could find a state that would allow the decentification to happen. And so while he was working on that, we were bottle feeding these little baby skunks. You know, so fun, so cute. Well, as they got older, dad was having trouble finding a state that was, you know, a vet that was considering this and we had to continue to feed. So I'm in there feeding one day and you don't really know when the scent glands arrive. They just arrive one day. It's like one day, all of a sudden they're like, Hey, we got it. We have the glands. (laughs) And so we go in, it's in the chicken coop here. I remember. (laughs) Do you remember this? No, let me, let me add. I, I just have this visual that other people may be able to grab onto. Okay. I feel like I've seen a movie or a cartoon or something of baby dragons. They're just learning to spit fire. <laughs> Dude, that's exactly what it is. And it's, it's like this just running around uncontrolled spitting fire. <laughs> exactly. For no reason other than, up. oh, I can spit fire. And so it's just like this. These it, I don't I don't know if I, I've seen a movie of this or read. I don't know, but I just have this visual. I feel like I've seen like baby dragons <laughs> baby just starting dragons. to learn how to do it. And I, with those little skunks, I feel like it was the same way. They, they, they didn't have their fire. Yeah. There's, and then all of a sudden it's like, they're just running around for no reason. It's like, pow, pow, pow. Yeah, it's <laughs> just little mini little squirts <laughs> yes. all over. That is exactly what it was. And so that chicken coop became, you, you could go and you could pick up and hold and pet oh, these yeah. baby They're skunks can be. and they wouldn't spray you, but they would spray just for, like just running around playing with their siblings. Just, <laughs> and so that's that chicken coop just had this chronic, Start to get the smell. Skunk smell. So I remember going in there to feed or do something. And I don't... Kenzie, our little sister, was a bit of a handful at times. She, she was young. And my cousin and I went in there, Lee. And as we're inside, we hear the door close behind us. And the unmistakable <laughs> sound of the wood arm coming down to lock the door. So she locks us in the chicken coop with the skunks thinking, this is, this, ah, this is funny. And then just runs off and leaves. Doesn't like hang around to, you know, say the magic word. No, she just goes away. And at at the age she was, probably pretty short attention span. Pretty soon she forgets that we're even there. 
So we're just at the mercy of maybe someone that'll walk by. So after, you know, the skunks are nice and sweet, but after half an hour, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, they start to be like, you know, we appreciate the feed and the food, but this really isn't your area. It's ours. And they started, it felt to me, maybe it was all in fun, but it felt to me like it was a little getting to be a little more targeted that they started <laughs> kind of ganging up and squirt, like, squirt, squirt, come squirt. on, y'all. Give them a volley of squirts. And finally, eventually, I think mom or somebody finally came out or Joanne or somebody and let us out of the chicken coop after an hour of being locked in there and just getting sprayed by all these little uncontrolled monsters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, those those little skunks, Uh, man. And then the- I do remember how we got all those. You do? There was a a skunk den out uh, at the other end of the property and our hired man thought it was just, he didn't know there were babies in there. And so he had, I think he had- started putting water down the den to get the skunk to come out uh-huh. and he was sitting there with the gun and was going to shoot it and he did shot the skunk that came out but i don't know like eight or ten babies <laughs> came out too so now we've got you, young babies that are do, need milk and do you then, know do you know why he was a little gun shy to just eliminate the entire den with his with his firearm I have a suspicion I want to hear your story. So prior to that encounter with it, how did this turn into skunk? We have so much skunk stuff. This is crazy. I didn't realize this. So again, this is our, just our good old hired man, Russ Colsty. And he, he, dad had said, hey, there's a skunk out. I think it was out on the end of the, the roping arena. He goes, there's a, there's a den out there. He said, put a screen over, you know, they have two holes to their dens. He said, put a screen over the one and then you can put a, put a hose, a garden hose in the other and basically give them a watery grave down under the earth. And that'll be that. No problem. No mess. So he put a screen over the one side and he'd even put a bucket of water over a five gallon bucket and filled it up with water. So he's sitting there in his pickup kind of half asleep as you know, he'd like to do. He'd kind of sit and doze, spend his nice afternoons, you know, and this skunk realizes there's water coming in our den. We got to get out. So she goes and is able to actually push the screen up and tip over the bucket of water, which is pretty impressive for skunk and goes and her and her whole entire, and this is right. This is right on the edge of town here of our little town. And she's tootling along with her eight, 10 little babies she has in tow. And about this time, old Russ wakes up from his nap. And you know, when you wake up from a nap, you're a little clouded for a minute. Well, he, first thing he sees is a line of skunks escaping, looks over and sees the bucket tipped over and realizes, oh no, they're escaping. I had one job and I've completely, <laughs> completely missed the mark. So he pulls out his 12 gauge, which in, a, in, in fire, a 12 gauge shotgun is so loud. They're one of the loud, just such a loud gun. And he goes ahead and boom, the whole just un, does the deal. Eight or ten shots later, just going wild, and all the babies are pretty much still alive. <laughs> <laughs> They're all fleeing. There's, you know, the the grass has been mowed down pretty well, but so he ends up. Somebody calls the sheriff and says, "There's some kind of assault going on. There's a shotgun going off, shootings going on. I don't know what's going on." The sheriff ends up coming over and is like, "We got reports of multiple gunshots," and uh, that was it. So of course, after that happened, Dad was like, "You, you can't." You cannot do that. You can't do that. So 
the next time around now when when he discovers this den, he was probably a little gun shy. A little gun. Yeah. <laughs> Were you there when he shot my ferret? No. Was that Coulter? Coulter was there. Yeah. So I had a I had a pet ferret. Yeah. Um that would just run around outside with everyone. And we, we sometimes get weasels around here. Mm-hmm. Uh and to the undiscerning eye. You may not be able to tell the difference between a ferret and a weasel. Yeah. But anyway, this ferret that I had was out in the sandbox with, with some of my younger siblings. Mm-hmm. I guess you weren't there. Out there just playing with them. And hired man Russ comes around and, you know, check on things and he sees the weasel. And there's not a whole lot of weasels that are playing in the sandbox. And dad even tells the story that it actually, he might be an embellishment, but it actually came over and jumped up on his knee. The hired man's knee and looked at him. So, so he he thinks it's a weasel, and proceeds to dispatch it with a firearm. Yeah, and then after after it's done, wh- I don't know which of my siblings were out there. After it was done, they said, "Oh, that was Luke's ferret that you shot." Afterwards. After, 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 not before. <laughs> so they sat there and watched him. Oh, shoot my ferret. Thinking it was a weasel, and and then chose to tell him after it was dead that oh by the way, that was Luke's pet ferret. Oh man, that was yeah, that was a sad time. Sad time, but a, a, a memorable story. <laughs> so so that's is why he became a little more gun shy. He was known to have a pretty quick trigger finger over the years with you know any any pets he found out in the cow herd or in the exotic animals. Pretty quick. To, Things were we had a few sad neighbors from time to time that would call bleeding. Next time, could you just call us and give us a chance to come get our animal? Well, Russ, Russ had the old, old West this mentality. The old West mentality. That's that how they if, all were. I mean, that was it. Your dog is in chasing my cows. My, yeah, they're chasing my, my livelihood. So there's a, there's a, a pretty good subset of, of older generation guys around here who are still going to dispatch your pet if it's in there chasing their livestock can you imagine these days that some of that going on with the way the pet stuff is today oh Oh, anyway so kind of a sidebar there but yeah i think people nowadays would there'd be like lawsuits and stuff well they would rather that their dog is in there and causes you know 10 or fifteen thousand dollars of livestock damage they'd rather pay for that damage than have their Right. Their pet dispatched yeah. and preventing it from causing that damage. And when I say damage, I mean, that's a variety of things. The actual killing animals to right. causing an animal to fence. be injured or, yeah. you know, going through a fence, whatever. I think they'd rather pay that, pay the loss of your... Of your they'd be like, yeah, here, let me write you a check. <laughs> anyway. Wow. Different times. Different times. So just quickly, the very last one, the very last time I got sprayed was not a direct spray, but it Maybe it was worse. I don't know. I was I was over at the ranch calving, and at the time we were calving in the winter, which was strange. This is I guess it wasn't winter. It was kind of spring coming on March, <clears throat> so there could have been there. Obviously, was some skunks coming out of hibernation. Maybe one that was hibernating underneath our calving barn. But I'm spending the night with the cattle in this little room. We have like this little kind of kind of rooster's little cave. Anyway, it's a heated room in the corner of the calving barn that you sleep in. So you can just wake up out of there and you can walk out into the barn, check the cows that are calving, make sure everything's square versus sleeping at home, driving over 
checking cows, driving home. It's just a way to be a little more in touch. So I'm, I'm in there one night and I'm sleeping on the couch and all I'm awakened by just this horrible chemical smell that was borderline skunk chemical, borderline roadkill skunk spray smell. And I thought it's, it's kind of winter time. I'm, I'm coming out of a slumber. And so I, I did what I probably shouldn't have. I doubled down on my slumber and I pulled all the covers and the sleeping bag over my head and got inside my sleeping bag and continued to try to sleep. But I don't know what was going on under in the middle of the night underneath this room. There must have been a skunk or two spraying, spraying, spraying to where I couldn't breathe anymore in the room. And it was filled with so much smell that to get out of the room, I was essentially sprayed. It wasn't direct. No, I couldn't even verify there was a skunk involved. But the smell was it's such fumigated. that I had, I was, yeah, I was like fumigated. They, what, was this in February? It was, it would have been, it was when we were calving. It was the old days. So it was when we were calving kind of March 1st. So, so skunks don't hibernate. They don't. What I, do they do? Why I always assume they do. Because you don't really see them in the winter, you know, and, and the way you see skunks is usually roadkill. <laughs> right, right. That's true. And in the winter, you don't. So and I've, I don't think I've, have you ever seen one in the winter? I never have all my trucking, traveling. I've never seen one, but um, I see them all the time. Once so the I, I just looked green. this up while you were talking. <laughs> What's the answer? I'm it says dying. they don't hibernate, but they become much idler when temperatures begin to drop. So skunk mating season usually takes place in February and March. Oh. So when you were say something was going on underneath you. <laughs> It's right in skunk mating season. Oh, I think we're going to just leave it to everyone's imagination. Okay. <laughs> what was going on underneath bow, you? Chicka, bow, bow. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, so anyway, so yeah, this, this podcast kind of went off the rails in the skunk department. Talked for about 45 minutes we of did. us. But you know, it, was, it was good because I, again, I don't think I would love to know if any of you go ahead and send in your skunk stories, but uh, it's such a rarity that anyone's actually been sprayed by a skunk once, let alone... I don't know why we had such unbelievable numbers of skunks around here. Since I've been here, I've, I've had to dispatch a couple. I wonder what the natural predator of a skunk is. Is there anything in, in nature that keeps them in check? I don't know. Maybe raccoons keep, because remember we used to have raccoon problems before the skunks. Maybe it was raccoons keep them in check. And when we trapped out the raccoons, the skunks really... Yeah, I don't know that... I don't know that I that I need to look into that see if they have a predator. My guess is no. Like they just somehow. But yeah, I don't know why we had such huge numbers around here, but they were just everywhere. You know, it, when you're having skunks getting trapped in your garage and always in your garage, you got a skunk problem. Yeah, to where to where you were to come in in the dark, you always were. You'd reach, you'd open the door, reach in, and turn the light on real quick. And then step aside to see if anything going to spray or come out of the garage or we could but yeah, I don't, I, I haven't seen near the amount of skunks as, you know, huh. 20, 30 years ago when we were, when we were here. Yeah. But we, and we have more now on this property, my wife and I have more animals that skunks would pursue than when we were growing up. Yeah, you couldn't have chickens like you have and stuff now when we were growing up. Cause I mean, we tried it and we couldn't ever keep them cause they'd all die in the chicken coop. Skunk would get in there or whatever. And the big fox. difference is I, I'm the one that keeps them safe now. Oh. I'm kind of, a, you know, I've redone infrastructure. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, and, uh, you know, I wonder if, if we, we did way more gardening when we were growing up. Gardening seemed to be more raccoons. Yeah. Bring raccoons in, but I don't know. Funny side note, 
raccoons are more terror to the garden than skunks because raccoons, they don't eat the whole cob of corn once it's ready to go. They just take a nibble and move to the next, hoping that each one will be better and better. Skunks will at least take down the cob and they'll eat the whole thing. Once their belly's full, they go on their way. Well, and raccoons it's will do that with your chickens too. <laughs> they do the same thing. We've had, we've, jeez. If you ever go out and it's been a, like a massacre of chickens with like, it looks like maybe a head off and a bite and then it's raccoons oh. versus you get something else like a fox. A fox takes one at a time and eats the whole thing and, uh-huh. and comes. But the, we've had raccoons who have gone out and there's like eight chickens with, with uh, one is partially eaten and then seven more with their heads off and just dead. Uh, and it's just a, and it's raccoon massacre. Tell um, you what, you think a raccoon is a cute, cuddly creature? Think again. They're one of the most vile, nasty little things ever created upon the earth. They're nasty little buggers. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, maybe we had more skunks that we did a lot, much bigger gardening setups when we were kids. I, I don't yeah, know. But anyway, we had a lot of them. So we're running out of time here. I got to get back to hanging. Okay. So I, let's talk about some hang stuff. Okay. I use a drum mower to hay. Ooh, you're going to ask me what a drum mower is? And you guys, do you use disc or swather? We use both. We use a, a real, well, real type. Typically they call them a swather. That's where the, there's a reel that spins and pulls the hay in. And then there's a cutter bar, a sickle bar on the bottom that cuts. We use that. So, so sickle bar, mm-hmm. for anyone who's not familiar with, with these terms we're using, sickle bar, imagine a, uh, like a, like the hair trimmer, beard trimmer. Yeah, blah, oh yeah exactly. You turn on, it's got, it's got a, a plate. That, I'm talking about the trimmer. It's got a mm-hmm. plate with teeth on it, then another plate that goes over it with teeth and those teeth go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And so it'll cut hair yep. when it goes through there. So a, a sickle bar is a very similar idea. You've got essentially. You have a stationary plate. And then you have a moving plate and the grass goes between the two and it cuts it. Cuts it. That's very simplistic. It's yeah. a little more with it, but that's a good way of looking. So that's one way to cut, cut hay is with a, a sickle bar. Mm-hmm. And then which, we also have a pull type kind of as a backup rig or when we first start haying, we try to run two machines to get really get going. And it's one you pull behind your tractor and it's a rotary style cutter. It's not a sickle bar style. It's not a swather. It's a rotary mower which means it's, it's more like a lawnmower where it has spinning blades. It spins super fast and they cut and that's, and then they throw it into a windrow. Are you calling that, is that a disc mower? Yeah, a disc bind. So let's call them a disc bind. There's so many different so names. So it's rotary. It's, it's, yeah. The blades are discs. Is that mm-hmm. why? Okay. Yep. So those are two of them. Then the other one is you can cut hay with a drum mower. Mm-hmm. And that's what I use as a drum mower. And how's that different? Because I, I haven't been around yours. So the... <laughs> I'm not as familiar with the the disc mowers. Is it a lot of little discs? Yeah, there's like 16 of them maybe or so. Basically one per foot roughly. And they, okay, so they a lot. Come, yeah, they all spin. And oh. each one just has two blades is all on it. Okay, so you, yeah, a lot. Okay. The drum mower, it has, the one I have has two big, essentially drums. Mm-hmm. Big heavy drums that start spinning. And each drum has three blades on just it. Just three blades. Okay. And so these drums spin off opposite of each other, opposite directions. Okay. So as you're driving along, these two drums are spinning. Those three blades are cutting, but because they're spinning off a direction, it cuts and brings the grass together to come out in a windrow behind you where all the grass is gathered in a oh, windrow. it does pull it into a windrow. So, yeah. 
so that's I use a drum mower. Does it does it hang out to the side of your machine? Your yep. Tractor? So if you're transporting it, it's it sticks out straight behind your tractor on the three point. Okay. And so it's when, not in when the you way. get ready to cut, you, you know, pull some pins and you swing it around. So it's like at a 90 degree angle to your tractor. Okay. And you drive along and the one I have, I don't know, it's got like a, a seven foot cut on it. That's the, for the weight of my tractor, that's the biggest I can run uh-huh. because they're pretty heavy. And you're cutting a lot of little small pieces and parcels around here. Now the drum more, because you got so much momentum with those, you can go pretty fast and they'll cut through anything thickness mm-hmm. and go pretty fast. You can get, you can get bigger drum mowers where you could, where like the level you guys, Hey, you could be efficient with drum mowers, but you, you got to have really big tractors cause they're so heavy. Uh-huh. How does yours do? So yours is pretty similar to a disc bind rotary swather. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say swather cause that's how I described the first machine, but it's similar in that it has basically a rotating piece with blades attached to it. How does yours do cutting grass? Does it have a little trouble cutting straight grass? I haven't had any trouble with it. Huh. See, the biggest, the big, and this is generally speaking with these rotary mowers, the biggest beef that they're, that people have is they don't, they cut alfalfa. Things that have good stems, like thick stems, they cut nice and clean and you can go so fast. I mean, you can go 10, 12 miles an hour if the smoothness of the ground will allow it. But you get into grassy stuff and it, it doesn't, those blades of grass don't have a stem. They're more flat. That's a flat blade rather than a stem. And they just don't do a good job cutting those. Almost like they bend versus. Cut. Yeah, they kind of push them over before they actually cut. So when you look back, it just kind of looks like you have, you're like, oh, your blade's dull. You're like, no, they're, they're not dull. This is just, hmm. this is how these machines are. But yours, yours cut. I wonder if it's because you have a third. I haven't had any, I don't know. I haven't had any trouble with, with any grass with it. It, it cuts really good. But it, you know, if rocks and things ding the blades up real quick on it and it's got just one set level. I know there are some drum mowers, like Reese makes a drum mower, I think, where you can do different heights. Mm-hmm. But it, for what I have, it, I know I'm not doing big acreage. It works really good. It cuts efficiently, cuts fast, cuts clean. Yeah. I'm excited on it. On our end, we're the three year drought. I mean, worst drought that I've ever lived through, you know. Because back in the old days, I didn't pay any attention. I wasn't, and we lived in an irrigated place. So it, the drought doesn't really affect it too bad. But now that we live in a dry land area, three years of drought seems to have ended this year. It's been raining virtually nonstop for the last six weeks, it feels like, which is, it couldn't have come at a better time. I think mentally, I think everybody in our area, the ranchers and producers were tired of buying this $250 a ton hay and we're thinking if we had another year of drought we might not be ranching anymore yeah it was really getting to where I think people were going to struggle so have you ever heard of tedding hay <clears throat> T-E-D-D I've heard the term you know what that is I can't remember off the top no so I have a rotary rake just a three point rotary rake and it has a I can rake I can okay. spread and I can ted hmm. tedding hay <laughs> okay so have you ever seen cutters that don't windrow? Yeah, they just cut lay it flat over. They do that in the Midwest a lot because they dry out faster when it's not piled, and, and then they rake it into windrows. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So if you're in windrows, especially it seems to be places that have a lot of humidity of moisture coming up from the ground, uh-huh. tedding basically takes that windrow and oh, reverses kind of a little it. bit, flips it, so you you get faster drying. Huh. But you can spread yours. You said. Have you ever had to do that? I did. Oh, recently with your. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. when I when it it kept being forecasted to rain for like a week and a half and we didn't get any and 
then I'm like, well, I don't forecast. The sky's clear and with <laughs> forecast the rain, it hasn't done that. It's been doing that. So I cut everything and it was, I had it all raked into windrows and then, and I had some of it in windrows, some of it bailed and it got just like three inches on it almost immediately. Ugh. So I just went through and I used my spreader and I spread my windrows back out flat and it dried real well. In fact, all the bales, I cut them open and hand spread them. <laughs> what are you going to do? And then, yeah. and then I went back over with that spreader and it's odd. So now I have basically a, a really high quality hay that I'm going to market to horse people. <laughs> <laughs> Spray paint it green. Yeah. <laughs> no, it'll be, I mean, in the middle of winter when yeah. it's real cold and they just need a little extra energy, I, I can give them some of that. I it's, had a, I had a, someone call me the other day asking for some advice on what to do with as far as if I knew of any any way to treat their hay, there's a treatment you can spray on your hay to help it dry in the bale, kind of keep it from rotting. And he's like, do you know, I, I'm just bailing. And this is over in our country over there. And I'm, he's going, I'm just bailing. I'm sick of this getting rained on. He's like, it, for those of you out there that, that deal with moisture contents, he's talking about bailing in the mid-20s. Normally, you don't want to bail. I mean, 14, 15, 16% is kind of, Kind of hear moisture and he's bailing in the mid twenties, which is almost wet to the touch. And he goes, I, I just, I don't know what to do. And I, I didn't have the heart to ask, but I was like, why, why did you cut that stuff? Cause then where we're at, it's just been rain. I mean, it's been cloudy and raining for six weeks. I thought, what, what prompted you to go on? I didn't want to ask though. Cause obviously he's upset with himself for doing it in the first place. But I was just like, hmm. I hope you told him put him real tight squares and pet, put him in a barn that you don't care about and <laughs> let it all barn. burn. <laughs> so what we mean is if you if you do hay that's too moist, yeah. bailed too much moisture content, you know it heats up and you can actually have your hay start on fire and yeah. burn buildings down. Yeah. So well, I don't know what they're gonna do with it, but I someone did tell me about that chemical you can put on them. I don't know. I don't know what level of moisture you. If, I'm sure there's a cutoff of how spongy it can yeah be. and it's again too you're like you're just like yeah, i'm gonna get this chemical thing and spray in my feed you've got <laughs> super wet hay to begin with it's gonna make it moldy and nasty and then you put chemical on yeah, it yeah i think i'd just let it go and be like you know what you're gonna have a bunch of crappy hay just leave it out there till it dries but yeah and of course we got another inch and a half of rain probably since i talked to him <laughs> so he would have got but you've been there it worked out for you so Oh yeah, but I, oh, I, I had such a small amount. I just had pasture that was growing. It was starting to want to go to seed, so I wanted to cut it so that grass would keep, keep growing. Going. So I just did a, a very small section. I even debated just spreading it and not even baling it, just letting it be green green manure or yeah. fertilizer. But yeah. then I, I thought oh, I'll just bale it since we aren't getting any rain. And yeah. So if you want rain to come, just put just, it in small squares <laughs> and the rain will come. Yeah. That and then the I, old saying. And then I got to do the fun job of collecting by hand and stacking by hand. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know what an unfun job that is, and it never ceases to surprise me how unfun it is when I'm doing it. <laughs> I think you need to get one of them little hook things that hook the bales. You well, guess what I ordered goes, after I did the last 400 did you bales. Order one of those? Attaboy. <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> oh, man. It was about 400 bales, and 400 before, small and, squares. And before anybody jumps in, it's like, you wussed out, blah, blah, blah. Look. You get to handle those bales a lot when you feed them. I feel like feeding bales is a good enough, keeps me attached to my old ways. They were using bale wagons since the mid-70s to stack small square bales. So 
if anybody's thinking Luke's kind of selling out here a little bit, Look, anyone who says they used a to, long time ago. to do all the stacking by hand, yes, they did, but you probably had six teenage boys in your, <laughs> and, were your kids. And they all say they used to. They yeah. don't anymore. And if they had them nowadays, I don't think they'd be doing oh. But <laughs> So I just have Ozzy drive the truck and with that flatbed and go out there and, you know, you can drive along and you can throw stuff on the flatbed pretty quick, but then you have to stop and you have to continue to stack it on the flatbed. Oh yeah. Once, yeah. Once your platform's full, you got to go you gotta, get it out of the so way. You got to stack and then you don't want to make a hundred trips to where you're unloading it out. So you, you stack it as high as you can and then you go to where you're unloading and you have to unload it and restack it. <laughs> yeah. So every bale's handled like three times. I've got to, I've got to, and I got I wish I could figure out a way to make this work, but I have a, a, a person in Georgia that is in need of, hey, alfalfa down there, small square bales is just unbelievably priced. And it feels like there's an opportunity there to develop a little niche thing that we're talking about to take alfalfa from somewhere that's up in this region and pre-sell it all and haul it down there and then have everybody show up on delivery day and take their predetermined amount of bales because the market's so high because they can't grow alfalfa very well down there. Like, like, just talking like 25, 30 bucks a bale for alfalfa. How, how many pound bale? 70, 65, 70. Oh, man. So I, I but it's hard to find. You got to find a way to, someone that even does them, first of all, up here. And then if they do them, someone that has a way to load them on a semi that's not doing 500 bales on the back of a semi by hand. It is, it is just so miserable loading and unloading by hand. Yeah. And any, I promise you, if you don't think it is, you haven't done it. Yeah. You've done like 10 or 15 and be like, that's not bad. Yeah. You get 10 or 15. It it takes probably about 20 before you go, ah, it's kind of, I don't know about this. And when you're a couple hundred in and you still got hundreds to go, you're not even close. (laughs) But I don't know if you can remember when dad used to fill his cattle truck up with hay in South Dakota to bring back small squares. He, you know, he was talking about that and it was, it was before my time. I never got in on that. I can't, I remember I wasn't old enough to help load, but I remember going to the places and running around these farms with kids at those farms while that, while the guys were, I bet those guys when dad pulled in to get hay were like, Oh no. (laughs) Cause that means they're going to help to help load a, a, a stock trailer with hay. Now, the thing with like loading on flatbeds is the flatbed has no walls, no doors. Yeah. You can kind of throw on hay from any, <laughs> anywhere. But with a stock trailer, you've got a narrow door that bare, it. You can't really even hardly throw bales in because if you don't have a perfect throw, <laughs> it hits, the, you get it hits the side and the, the bale falls out. So you have to have a perfect throw to get <laughs> the bale in. And in his truck, I mean, if you pulled up next to the stack for a, the, the top half of the stack is easy because you can throw it down from up high down into the rig. But the bottom half of the haystack, you're throwing it from the ground up into his rig, which is probably, you know, sternum level to an average guy. And all the doors on a stock trailer are where? They're all in the back. So you have to... <laughs> so you got to pack them all out of the you front. You throw it into the trailer, then you have to take the bales and go from the back of the trailer all the way to the front. <laughs> and then when you get home, you have to unload the same way. Uh-huh. Oh, we were, we were going through the barn doing something yesterday and we have an old bale conveyor, an old elevator, which is like a 20 foot long, basically conveyor belt for, for square bales. And dad's like, we ought to, we ought to throw that online to probably sell that thing. And of course I'm thinking about this hay thing for Georgia. And I'm like, man, there might be a time where we still use it, 
But then I'm thinking, I mean, we could, we have a square, but I could bail him at the ranch. But then I'm like, you gotta, you either got to haul him from the field to Georgia or you got to, you got to handle him, stack him, reload him. Well, so here's, uh, I don't know. So I got it out. I got there's the grapple, which if you get a group of small square bales. Now, we've talked about different bales. We talked about big round bales, which are 12 to 1800 pounds, mm-hmm. big square bales, which are like 12 to 14 usually. And then there's small squares, which are 40 to 90 pounds, yeah. depending on how, how big you're making them. And so the small ones, there's a number of ways to gather them out of the field. There's one, it's a, it's a we all call it a stacker. What's the official name of a stacker? New Holland called them stack liners. When they would sell them, they call them stack liners. Anyway, they have ones that are self-propelled, meaning you drive them and some that are pulled behind your tractor, but you just go along and it picks up the bale, creates a stack. Coolest machines in the world. And you tip it over and it makes a haystack. Mm -hmm. Now, the haystack still has to be transported in some way to either the cow's mouth, to a semi, to travel, whatever, but at least it's gathering and stacking for you. And if you're feeding it, it's fine because you can feed out of the stack. But if you're trying to sell this stuff, it's got to all be loaded. So there's another another grapple you can get to go on a skid steer or a tractor and it can do 8, 10, 12. I think they, I don't know if they make ones with 14, but I know 8, 10, 12, they do. So if you have a group of bales that are grouped together, basically a big square, big rectangle, this grapple comes and lays on top of all the bales and then it's got a bunch of hooks that hook in hmm. and pick up all 10 at once and then you can Set load them, them on nice. a trailer, stack them, stack them, do whatever you want. But you still have the job of accumulating the bales into this grouping that the grapple can grab. And so there are, after my, I have hand done bales. This, I think this is the fourth time. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> every year I do it, I'm older and, it, older and older. worse. So I, I have in the past looked at these grapples. I've borrowed a grapple before and it, it works really nice. But accumulating them, you, they have some of these grapples that will accumulate and grapple at the same time so you just drive along the field and you basically like you're playing tetris with this grapple out in front of your skid steer you're just <laughs> getting bales into it it makes them in a group then you put the tines down and pick it up and on a trailer the problem with that grapple that accumulating grapples when you release them from the trailer you've got spaces between each bale because that accumulator it's like channels that the bales slide into. Oh, yeah, right. And so when you pull out, you've got these spaces. So you got to kind of come from the side with your grapple and push, push them, them tighten them up. They make accumulators that just accumulate the bales that it, it actually hooks onto your, your baler. So as the baler mm. kicks a small bale out, it drops in the accumulator and the accumulator will group everything nice and tight, you know, however many you're doing, eight, 10, whatever your grapple, and then it releases them and just leaves them in a group in the field and you just keep bailing, then you come back with your grapple and load them. So I got an I I I didn't get an accumulator the hooks to my my, my bailer because it pretty pricey and I don't bail enough to do it. If I was doing a lot more, I would I would do that probably. But I did get an accumulator grapple combination. Hmm. But if you're doing a Georgia thing, you just accumulate grapple and you load your whole semi mm-hmm. out in the field, strap it and head yeah. to Georgia. Um, maybe you need to find a place that produces good alfalfa over here and we'll start shipping. Yeah. Figure something well, out. we got all this free time that we have. So, but yeah, if, if anyone has got a uh, <laughs> teenage boys that need a good work experience right. on um, them up, I did have, I did have someone I work with who has a, a kid that's going to be a senior who I hired him to come help me to do you? these. Good. 
And he did express at the end of it that that's not something he would like to do anymore. Oh, he told you that at yeah. the end? Yeah. <laughs> the thing about it is he's um, he's a, a strapping young man, you know, really into lifting weights and doing stuff. And it's really funny because you, you start out and these bales I was doing were probably 50 pounders, not real heavy. Yeah. And so you start doing, he's just, I go, hey, just pace yourself. I go, these, these are going to start to get heavy. And by the end of it, oh man, he was, he was going so slow. <laughs> I, I, I stayed pretty steady. And I, by the end of it, we were probably about, he was probably doing about two bales to every one of mine at the beginning. Uh-huh. And by the end of it, he was doing one to my every five, I think, <laughs> loading and unloading because he was hey, just wiped. That's a testament to man strength, you know, like just a man strength. But I like will give him his credit. Up. He never stopped. He kept going? He kept going, but he was, he was tuckered out. And it was kind of, kind of funny. He is, he is half African-American. And so his, he's got, his hair is pretty curly. And I noticed as we were doing it, the, was it starting to accumulate? Every, every bit of, every bit of hay in the air was magnetizing <laughs> right into his hair. And so when he got home, his mom texted me and she just was just laughing and said, oh man, did you see his hair? And he, he goes, mom, this is why black kids aren't farmers. <laughs> yeah, he thought it was pretty funny how much hay accumulated in his hair, but yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Yep. Hay and season's upon us. We'll, we'll see how it all goes. All right. Well, if not, you better get on the road. Yeah, I better get out of here. Go get Hayne. Yep. I'm going to go, man. All right. Safe travels. Yeah.